Welcome to Ride Pure, the Royal Enfield podcast. A podcast about Royal Enfield motorcycles, the people who create and build them, you, the people that ride them, the things you do to them, and the places you explore on them. I'm Gordon May, Royal Enfield's historian, author, and overland motorcycle traveler, and I'll be hosting this Checkered Flag episode. Today, we're going to be talking flat track racing again. It's my pleasure to welcome two racers to the show, Paul Young, Chief Test Rider at Royal Enfield's Vehicle Dynamics Center of Excellence, try saying that after a couple of beers, and professional flat track racer, Gary Birtwistle, who also runs Royal Enfield Slide School Training Days via his business, Dirtcraft. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Great. Shall we kick off with you, Gary? Um, tell us a bit about the flat track racing scene in the UK. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's been around now for maybe 10, 15 years in, in the UK and Europe. It's obviously originally an American sport. Um, yeah, and kind of every year it's kind of grown and grown. And, it's you know, in some ways it's quite grassroots still in terms of there's not so many professional guys out there. There's only maybe a handful of us, but um, there's still we still race on the same day with like kids and 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 complete sort of novices and hobbyists and stuff like that. But um, yeah, at the same time, there's there's still quite a, a real competitive um, edge to it. So um, yeah, it's been kind of growing and growing each year, and each year continues to. So there's a mixture of professional riders with factory teams and guys who build their own bikes at home and take those yeah, on race. Absolutely, yeah. And there's still, you know, it's still not too kind of oversaturated. So you can you could potentially still build a you know, still build a bike yourself and, and try and mix it with those kind of factory teams. So I guess it's um it's exciting from that that respect. And is it uh, all UK riders or do people come over from Europe and compete as well? Yeah, it's pretty international. I'd say, you know, 90% of the riders are, are, are British, but you've got Germans and Dutch guys and there's always a big gang of Frenchies and um, and a handful of Spanish that make the trip over pretty much, you know, for most rounds. So say each round you've got at least sort of four nationalities, five nationalities at, at a British championship race. So, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool like that, that they actually make that effort. I'd say like because the, the British Championship is probably the biggest, the biggest and most professional in Europe. So I think for that, the people in in Europe who are who are hungry and who are really into flat track, then then this is where they come to race. Sure. And how many rounds are in a season? Still, I mean, top eight rounds, I'd say, in a season. So it's not it's not a lot, um, but can be sort of yeah. I'd say the most. I think the most we've had is eight. Um, and usually maybe some European rounds too. So it might be like a, a small European championship, maybe around in, in Holland, around in Spain. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think they've had like a three-round European championship before. So one British, one Spanish, and one and one Dutch round. Sure. And is it a whole weekend event or is it just one day racing? Go there, get it done, and off home again. Yeah, no, normally two days. So there'll be some classes Saturday, some classes Sunday. How did you get involved in in it? Me, um, my brother. To be honest, I grew up watching flat track and knowing about flat track and watching films like On Any Sunday as a kid. Like my dad was a bike racer and he was really into flat track, so I kind of grew up knowing about flat track and thinking it was cool. Um, 
But I guess at that time, there wasn't really any flat track in the UK. It was just an American sport. And then um, my brother got really into it. And he actually raced for maybe maybe something like seven, eight years or something like that. Maybe nine years. He raced a lot of it. And he ended up racing in America and doing some rounds of the AFT and racing, yeah, taking it quite professionally and, and quite seriously and, and racing a lot. And to be honest, he kind of had to convince me. We were on a drive somewhere and he had to, he kind of talked me into entering one race, but I didn't want to race. I'd kind of stopped racing motorbikes at that point. I was still quite young, but I'd kind of jacked it in. And and he kind of just wore me down and wore me down on this drive into, into riding his, <laughs> like, his old race bike and having a go. And he honestly had to like really twist my arm to do a race. And then I did that one race and, and I did quite good. I think I got, no, I crashed actually, but, um, but I, I went pretty well. And, um, yeah, I guess I kind of got bit by the bug and, and I've been doing it now maybe, I think this is maybe my my eighth season of racing and it's only, it's just kind of escalated and escalated and escalated into into something that started out as a bit of fun into something which is, you know, racing the factory team for all Enfield and taking it pretty seriously. So, yeah, but it was humble beginnings. Sure. So um, there'll be a lot of listeners uh, to this program around the world that have never encountered flat track racing before. So can you describe it to us? You know, what, what, what's it like? What's involved? Yeah, so it's a pretty stripped down form of motorcycle racing, probably as stripped down as you could get um, in terms of the bikes are pretty simple. You've got, you know, equal size tire wheels front and back. You've got no front brake quite a sort of minimalist looking bike there's not a lot on there that isn't isn't necessary um and the tracks are really simple too so it's just a dirt oval um there's no there's generally no jumps there's generally no right turns it's it's most 99 percent of the time it's just an oval track but that oval can be from say like an eight for a mile or less to a mile long so you go so some tracks you'll be going real tight corner sliding it in and firing it out at kind of 40 50 miles an hour another track should be on a mile track you could be doing like 140 150 miles an hour and sliding the bike through the corner at like 100 120 miles an hour so it's kind of although it's quite simple the skill set is kind of broad because to do 120 mile an hour slide is very different from doing a um and maintaining that long slide at high speed is very different to kind of firing it in, shooting it out. So, yeah, it breeds quite a good, a good kind of all-round rider. Breeds a good kind of skill set and a good amount of feel. And I guess that's why you, you know a lot of a lot of top MotoGP riders, especially like the Australians and Americans that kind of grow up doing dirt track. They, they, yeah, they kind of for a long time had something over the over the Europeans because they did they develop that kind of bike feel and and getting used to the bikes the rear, rear wheel spinning and the bike sliding it's kind of um yeah it breeds a good a good level of bike control that um it's kind of very specific to that kind of loose feeling you get the flat track mm. sounds like confidence is very important as well in that then if you're going round a bend with at 120 miles an hour with your rear wheel spinning yeah yeah i guess you you know you get the muscle memory for it so when we we don't have that size of tracks in Europe, so we generally race top of a um, half mile, so slightly smaller than a mile track. But still, you're going pretty quick around the corner, and there's not really, you know, many other disciplines where you can be hanging it out that much, sort of over the limit. 
Um, yeah, I think, you know, repetition. So if you get used to the bike moving around underneath you and sliding it at high speeds like that, then then it transfers to other disciplines. So if you're if you're a road racer and you're you know MotoGP rider and you see them kind of spinning it up through fast corners, it's not really much of a surprise anymore. You kind of get them, you get the muscle memory, you get the feeling of that, and it becomes kind of second nature to to control it. Whereas if you're not used to that and you the back end comes around, you're probably going to maybe panic and it feel like a high side, you know. So it kind of gets you used to being in that zone of of right sort of close to the edge. Sure. So, um, so in a weekend, how many times would you actually race? Um, well, generally you'll do uh, per clash. You'll do practice. You'll do two sets of qualifying runs. Then you'll do th- you'll do yeah, like sort of three heats and a final is generally how it works. So you've got three qualifying races. So you'll get a front row, a middle row, and a back row start. Um, they'll be sort of randomised. And then those races are kind of like qualification races. So they just serve to qualify you for the final, for the main event. Um, so you have to place well, but if you crash, you might not qualify. And um, But the main event is is the race that matters. That's the race where you score kind of championship points. So, yeah, you've got to kind of risk a little bit in the heats to make sure you qualify. You've still got to, you know, come through the pack and make passes and try and win the race. But... Um, it's only really the final race of the day which actually means anything um, in terms of championship points. So, yeah, you'll, you'll kind of do four races plus a, plus a couple of qualifiers and a practice. So uh, what did what made you decide to ride for Royal Enfield? Yeah, they came knocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, yeah, there's only been a handful of factory flat track bikes ever made, you know. You could probably you could count one on two hands how many factory flat track bikes have, have ever been made. Um, so to, yeah, what to the fact that they 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 made a, a specific out of the factory bike to go racing flat track. Um, you know, it wasn't sort of done from a race team, sort of buying taking an engine and building a frame. It was done at you know at the factory. The fact that they did that is like yeah, that's for them to come and, and ask me to ride it is an honour. And um, yeah, how could I say no? To Right. And what's the bike like? It's an animal. It's an animal. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's really powerful. It's really, it really surprised me the first few times I rode it, how, how powerful it was. I didn't expect. I mean, I knew it would be fast. I knew it was like a big CC engine and stuff, but I didn't think it would. I'd, I'd been racing like an 800cc bike before, you know, I was used to kind of a fair amount of power and torque and stuff. But yeah, it's, um, the engine got serious punch. Um, but the chassis like works really well and we're always kind of tweaking things and changing things, but overall it's a, it's a, I think it's a pretty good package and it seems to seem to work well. And is it pretty much the same bike that Johnny Lewis is riding in the States or is it different, uh, for the, I think he's just jumped on like the new generation one. So it's been for a few, a few different, um, renditions, you know, from sort of initial concept to, I'm actually not sure how many how many slight tweaks there has been, um, but Johnny, I think last year started the season on the bike that I'm that I rode last year and I'm, I'm still riding now, and they made some changes to the chassis and some some sort of developments for their tracks, and so then they've kind of made. I assume I don't get too much info from the factory, but I believe that they've kind of made of the current version that he's riding up based off of those changes, and and I'm still on kind of. Um, 
yeah, the, uh, a sort of older version, if you will. But not to say that a newer version works best or not on our tracks. We kind of ride very different circuits to to them, so maybe our sort of requirements are in a different direction to to what he's sort of chasing. Sure, sure. But yeah, I'd say the power, the, the engine is, is, I'd say, very similar, and just maybe a few changes to the chassis. Okay. So 2021, the first season for you uh, on a Royal Enfield in the UK and uh, pretty much a development year. How did it go? Uh, good to start. Um, yeah, good to start. Getting used to the bike took a little bit. Like I said, it was quite powerful. So we had to sort of, um, if anything, sort of smooth out the power a little bit and, and make it, you know, sort of tame it down a little bit, especially in the sort of early part of the throttle just to make it. Bit more, bit more controllable, bit more, bit more manageable. Um, we did some test days and changed a lot with the suspension. So we had Harris there, and there, you know, Olin's suspension technician that kind of made changes as and when we wanted them. And um, yeah, it went pretty well. Kind of just was getting kind of comfortable on the bike, and I'd won like a handful of the first races, and then. Um, yeah, it was feeling pretty confident and just start, we'd just done a half mile and, a, and the bike felt really good there and I was really enjoying um, the race we did in, in Wales and that half mile track and things were looking good and then I had a little slip off him just practicing in between rounds and ended up breaking my wrist. It was just a little silly little small crash, you know, it's kind of, and that kind of put an end to the season to be honest, I had to have an operation and a plate and a load of screws and a load of work done in my wrist because it was kind of a nasty little break. Um yeah, so that, to be honest, kind of just put the brakes and everything. But it's one of them things where when you're racing, you kind of need you need to, you know, you can't just turn it on and race day. You kind of need to practice between rounds and everybody practices between races to, to sort of, you know, sharpen the skills and so that come race day, you're not kind of learning on race day, if you will. So just one of them things kind of got a bit unlucky and just had a little silly little front end slip off. And yeah, that kind of put an end to it. So. After that, we were just watching. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you finish in the championship? I ended up finishing second because of um, because of I that. guess because of the points they accumulated in the first in the first few rounds. And if you win, you know, a win kind of means a lot in terms of points. You've got, I think, you've got five points on second place. After that, it's kind of two. I think goes sort of two, one, one. So if you win a handful of races, you can kind of accumulate quite a good. You know, quite a good lead just in the way that the point system is. Yeah. And um, so I was fortunate enough, yeah, to to be able to come come away with second still, which was which was good. Okay. And because uh, it was a COVID year, because it was kind of the first year after you know after lockdowns and stuff, it was a kind of a reduced season. So, um, yeah, I got lucky on that one. Right. Sure. Um, and aiming for the top spot this year. Yeah, I guess so. That's always the aim, <laughs> isn't it? When, when you go racing, that's always the what you're aiming for is to win and win races, win championships. So yeah, I guess that, that would be the goal. Sure. And now you run the slide school, the Royal Enfield slide school where novices can come along, learn the basics uh, on Himalayans, but especially prepared for them, which to me sounds like a, a real heap of fun. Um, how's yeah. that going? Yeah, good. Yeah. Last year, the first year we launched it, it was a, it went down an absolute storm. Like people, they just yeah people kept coming people kept coming back had people coming you know rebooking kind of three times in a row to 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 come back and, and kind of learn and um yeah it's been a big success even some riders have kind of come from the slide school and, and then have 
of this year showing up at a racetrack with their own bike that they've bought and and uh, racing in the kind of rookie classes so i'd say it's been a, a yeah been a good success we kind of try and run it different tracks around the country so I run at sort of four or five different locations and and then and yeah it's kind of d- designed to be aimed towards beginner to intermediates you know kind of a, an introduction introductory course on on nice sort of forgiving um prepared yeah the training bike so seems to be seems to be pretty popular how experienced a motorcyclist you need to be to take part i mean i think as long as you can as long as you can ride a geared motorbike you you're fine you right. don't have to really have had much off-road off-road skills or anything like that it's, yeah okay. just to take it steady away at the beginning and try and build confidence and build kind of understanding and technique through the day okay great thank you we're talking of experienced motorcyclists that leads us on really nicely to you paul maybe you can tell us a bit about your racing background because it uh, isn't in flat track racing is it from what you told me, I don't think we've got time to uh, to go through even <laughs> a, a small portion of it. Um, no, I'm I'm a road racer. My background's in in road racing, and uh, yeah, raced professionally for uh, twenty five plus years, something like that. And then um, yeah, that's what I used to do before. Um, well, actually, I, I started doing a bit of test riding towards the end of my my uh sort of british championship and world championship road racing um but uh and then i then i went back to australia forever i thought for good um and then got coaxed back over to this side of the the equator to do this job for royal enfield Um, right so you were you were racing for how long um let's let's do the math eh? um when did i start started in 1989 um yeah and finished in british well finished in british championship in 2013 and then went back to australia and did a um thought i wasn't gonna do any more but of course ended up racing australian championship and winning winning a couple of more titles back in australia bef- um 2015-16 before i came back to the uk and what teams were you riding for? Um, I've raced all sorts of teams, I've, um, pretty much all the brands you can name in World Endurance and British Superbike Championship and uh, World Supersport, and a little bit of 500 Grand Prix many moons ago. Um, but yeah, pretty much yeah, any bike you can name, I've, I've ridden it on a track somewhere in the world. So what uh, made you decide to uh, flee home again and come here and work for Royal Enfield? Um, mostly uh, because of a, a couple of associates through that I knew through racing. Um, Steve Randall, um, who uh, ended up uh, running the workshop um, for R&D here in the UK. He, he was my crew chief. Um, in my, my last years of British Supersport Championship, and um, and also uh, uh, Chris Hunt, who's the is the uh, the big cheese of, of uh, the Vehicle Dynamics Centre of Excellence. Um, we'd known each other for a long time and had 
been in teams together as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's all their fault. <laughs> the pair of them <laughs> dragged me back. Um, the, the, the main reason for me coming back was the, the type of job it was because it, they specifically wanted someone that was um, for a, a chassis development role and that's something that I really enjoy. You know, tinkering with suspension and geometry and uh, you know making I really get a lot out of being involved in the, the from the ground up sort of side of, of developing motorcycle from you know literally from a, a blank sheet of paper and deciding what uh, what geometry and um, what specs it should be and then trying to prove it on track and and uh, yeah that's what that's what brought me back. So without giving away too many secrets, um, how do you actually do that? <laughs> uh, just a lot of laps, a lot of hours on bikes, um, a lot of uh, experience riding bikes that don't work and uh, having the, the interest in it to try and figure out why they don't work, um, riding bikes that do work and, you know, the same, same thing, just having a having a passion for the all the conundrums that motorcycle dynamics throw up because um, and it, you never stop learning either there's uh, because tire technology and motorcycle technology and um, it's all it's all you know, just constantly moving forward and it never stands still there's always something to learn mm. so I say with that any doubt the uh the new breed of royal enfields the 650 twins and the new 350 range the meteor and the the new classic 350 their handling of them i think is superb and uh i think the press and the buying public would all agree on that so is that the work of you and your your colleagues uh yeah yeah that's that's we're, we're quite a small team considering the size of, of royal enfield um yeah, at, at the moment we are we are literally a, a team of four, <laughs> me and and uh, three engineers. Um, we are recruiting at the moment. If you know anyone's interested, um, this type of career, <laughs> um, because we we <clears throat> we've got a lot of work on. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, all all those bikes uh, have evolved since I arrived at Royal Enfield and since the. Um, the UK Tech Centre got up and running, and that's so. Uh, uh, we're, we're we're not entirely responsible, but the I guess I guess you say the last the last say in terms of the what passes and you know in terms of a spec for suspension and and, and chassis. That's that's down to us. So yeah, yeah I can imagine that would be a dream job for an avid motorcyclist. Getting to travel around, riding bikes all the time. Yeah, you know, it's 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 not all uh, it's not all uh, you know joy and and uh, wonderment and uh, and fun. There's 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 some tests that aren't particularly enjoyable, but it all needs to be done. You know, there's there's a certain mm. amount of abuse testing which involves taking to bikes to the to the absolute limit of control. Um, and obviously, there's all the there's all the the tire sets and the, the, 
the, the geometry that you need to test just to say you've ticked it off and we've, we've tried those but you know we uh we we create some pretty bad handling motorcycles to then narrow that down to creating a good one so um yeah and and some of it is uh the high speed testing on on high speed ovals and that sort of thing it's um it's it's not not that glamorous but if you're into if you're really into what you're doing um there, there's a different enjoyment that comes out of it i suppose yeah sure so what made you decide to go flat track racing um well i've, I've always been a, a follower of all kinds i'm, I'm just a, a motorcyclist you know, i'm i grew up around racing um and all types you know from trials to motocross to speedway i spent lots of time at sitting uh, peering over the over the, the fence at speedway tracks as a youngster um road racing obviously there's there's not really a form of motorcycle racing that i'm not interested in and wouldn't be keen to having a, have a go at um mm. so uh i guess I've, I've followed it sort of at a distance for all, all my life and it's something that being a road racer um kind of appeals because it's uh, it's it's probably the closest thing to road racing without being on a road race bike it's the the skills um the amount of yeah less grip perhaps you'd say than riding on tarmac but uh sometimes when the track gets a, a blue groove as they call it um it can be almost as grippy as as riding on tarmac and uh, the sensations of of sliding the front on the way into a corner and sliding the back on the way out is very very much like road racing so that and that's that's why a lot of road racers use it for for training and i guess i i used to i used to flat track um when i you know, was road racing professionally but not flat track racing uh, me and a couple of mates used to just go on our motocross bikes out either onto the sand like uh, salt flats or even grass you know a flat grass field sort of mark out a, a track and ride around feet up uh sliding on the way in you know understeering on the way in and, and sliding on the way out so it's kind of like flat track racing but we were just doing it as as informal training for for road racing skills um, but i've always i've always had a hankering to do it and coming back to the uk to to take on this job i kind of saw it as a, as a bit of an opportunity to do something different because i knew i couldn't just rock up here um just go to work and not be involved in some sort of racing so um and i, I knew a couple of people from from quite a while ago um just through through other forms of racing that were involved in the flat track scene and got in touch and thought yeah that's uh, that now's the time so i thought i'd go and uh, try and teach myself some new skills and do a different form of racing that's well my, all my my professional racing career was um fairly high pressure so it was, it was nice to do something that i was literally going into for uh for uh out of, just out of interest in doing something new and just for the fun of it 
And is it fun? Is it still fun? Oh, it's it's massively fun. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's it's racing, it's motorcycles. They're cruel. They they can be cruel, um, and it's not always enjoyable. You turn up to a track, and it's the conditions aren't exactly as you'd been dreaming about them the night before. You know, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's, there's there's not a better feeling in the world than when it's all coming together on a motorcycle on a racetrack where there's no speed limits. It's just the best. Um, and flat tracks yeah. just like that. You mentioned Speedway earlier, watching Speedway as a kid. Um, I live near I live near Manchester and of course we've got Bellevue here, which is, you know, really historic circuit. How does flat track racing differ? Um, well obviously Speedway they're they're that's another level of insanity because they've got they haven't even got a rear brake and they've got no front or rear. We've at least got a rear brake, um, and yeah, the, the the bikes are the bikes are very different. I mean, a speedway bike has been honed, and um, it's it's a very specific thing. Uh, the, the the bikes are for a, a very specific purpose. They look nothing like any other type of racing motorcycle. Um, a flat track bike. Um, to a you know to a to an sort of the the uninitiated, it just looks like a motorcycle. You wouldn't look at it like you do a speedway bike and think, well, what's what's going on with the front wheel and that back wheel? It just doesn't look right. Flat track bikes look more like your know, conventional. They they're kind of like a cross between a, a motor, you know, an off road bike and a road bike. Um, but they have their have their own sort of look to them. Um, and a lot of a lot of the classes, a lot of flat track racing is done actually on motocross bikes, so that's in, in, immediately identifiable as something that everyone sort of knows what it is. Um, so yeah, the, I guess the, the the bikes are more identifiable as motorcycles uh, opposed to speedway and mm-hmm. speedway. Different, definitely different style of riding. I've, I've, been lucky enough to have been given a, a burn on speedway bike before, and that you know, talking about flat track being very similar to road racing in a lot of ways, speedway I think is like nothing else um, because they turn on the throttle everywhere on the on a uh, yeah they're literally off the throttle for a moment at the end of the straight and then back on it to get around the corner, whereas um, flat track bike. There's a there's quite a bit of understeer on the way into the corner to get it slowed down, and then you're more you're, you're still back on the throttle and trying to steer it with the rear wheel for a lot of the turn, but it's probably more from halfway around the turn or you know if you're really good maybe a, a third the way around the around the turn where speedway is is literally all the way around the track they're, they're on the throttle, so that that's. Have you tried Speedway, Gary? No, I've never had a go. I did, I did watch a fair bit of it when I was sort of a teenager, and a few people tried to to convince me to to have a go. She lived. I lived. I had an ex-professional speedway rider. She lived at the road of up the road from me growing up, and he was trying to get me on one, but told me I had to quit motocross to um to do Speedway, and I wouldn't do that. So I was always curious, but I wouldn't really want to have a go now. I don't think. Seem a little bit scary, a little <laughs> bit of a scary contraption, and um, 
so kind of used to going around an oval track in it with a flat track sort of style that um yeah the idea of coming approaching the corner and winding the throttle on full yeah. chat is seems a bit scary so um we've talked about your season gary how 21 21 how did things go for you in 2021 yeah Paul? good I, I learned a lot um so I'm, I'm still trying to trying to learn this this sport and uh this this uh, discipline of motorcycle racing. So I, I did learn a lot, and it was it was you know, great being alongside Gary in, in the in the paddock um, within the team because uh, you know, he's been doing it for a lot longer than me, and it's come from a bit of a flat track sort of heritage. So um, that's that's a that's a dream scenario for me. Um, obviously, um, Gary, unfortunately, having having the accident, which you know. Happens, happens to all of us. It's happened to me before in, in road racing at the worst possible time. Um, and having him out of the last uh, couple of races um, just allowed me to to uh, um, take advantage, if you like. And I, I ended up winning the winning the Twins Championship. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, it's, it's, uh, it was good that we could. You know, I was there to. To keep the flying the flag for Royal Anfield, but obviously Gary knows knows a, a lot lot more than me about the sport, and he's uh, as a higher higher level than than me when it comes to this discipline. So um, he's he's got the jump on me this year. I mean, I, I think that probably the highlights of last year was was uh, actually you know having some close close races and you know finishing. You know, winning in a beating Gary in a, in a couple of couple of heats and stuff through the year, mostly you know due to a, a better start position, but also you know, running him close at uh, at the uh, Greenfield Oval race um, was you know that that was just fantastic for me to to finish that close and also to have some good racing with him. Um, other tracks there was you know, couldn't touch him. I was uh, really struggled at the. At the uh, Ammonford race, the the half mile, um, yeah. Um, is, is he a is he a tough guy to ride against? Oh, I mean, he rides hard. You know, it's uh, absolutely. <laughs> he can. He's he's deadly serious about this this sport. So, um, yeah, I can I can see I can see. You know, it's it's, it's all there I, I, because I've I've been there. I know I know what it's like to for it to mean so much and. Don't get me wrong; it still does to me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 he's he's, uh, he's definitely a hard charger. So to get anywhere near him, and occasionally, you know, uh, getting get in front of him here and there, even if it's for a moment, is uh, is is pretty pleasing for me. Mm. And what's Paul like to ride against, Gary? Yeah, he's um, he's been around, uh, you know, been around the block a few times, so he knows. Um, yeah, he knows how to race. You know, he's got track craft and and a lot of sort of skills I suppose that come from just experience you know being on the start line that many times like he has it kind of teaches you to know how to approach racing and and how to sort of position yourself and make the right decision at the right time so um yeah it's fun though you know like black trucks are kind of it's a real respectful kind of form of racing because you've got no brakes and there's, there's wall you know the track's kind of enclosed if you if you get it wrong you're gonna you're going to kind of run into the into the barriers, into the air fence or whatnot. It's, it kind of makes you kind of a real respectful kind of form of race. And even though it's really, really close, to get around someone on a 
on a little tight oval is, is quite tricky. There's not a lot of room to set up a pass. So it's always fun racing against someone you kind of, you know, and respect and, and can trust because you can run wheel to wheel with each other and, and it feel safe and, and be kind of enjoyable, you know. Um, and that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the case with Paul being teammates and having to sit in the same pit as each other after the race I guess um you learn to sort of like ride ride of each other with respect and, and enjoy the kind of the ride you know yeah it's a good thing yeah so pretty awesome first year uh Royal Enfield takes first and seconds in the twins class that's quite incredible were you expecting that guys yeah I think we set the bar pretty high because it was the the kind of first year as an introductory year for the class this, this this class specific to the high cc twins is you know more in line with what they do in america so like i said the sort of the sport's always growing here and it's it's always kind of following suit with what what america does and what's what's happening in the usa in the sport and they kind of finally brought this twins class forward which opened the door for royal info to get involved it was you know perfect they kind of had that platform already um and I, th- I guess that we came, they came out swinging, you know, with, with the best bike on the grid, I would say, with the machine that they, they brought and the, and the level of professionalism. So I don't know if I was expecting it, but it, it didn't come as too much of a surprise, I don't think. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I'd, I'd think I'd, I knew it would be competitive. Um, just uh, how the bike would perform on the, on the small ovals that we we race in in the UK um, was probably the the only thing that I wasn't sure about because I think it's quite quite easy to have too much power um, when you've got a really tight track and especially when the when the track flat tracks always differing conditions and you can have like like I said before you can have something that's almost as grippy as tarmac one moment and then later in the day the final will be the track's been prepped and watered maybe and it's it's like an ice rink so um yeah when the when the grip was low and the tap track was tight i wasn't quite sure how how manageable the bike would be but to be honest my my uh the track that i i didn't get on with the most and that was more to do with the bike setup and uh, um, things that we've learned since hopefully make it better this year but uh, Ammonford on the faster track, um, where there's a reasonable amount of grip too, because it's quite you know reasonably deep sand. Um, uh, that's where I struggled. But I think on the on the on the tight ovals, um, I, I think it, it handles really nice. It's actually a, I find it a sweet little bike to ride. But maybe maybe that's my my engine's a slightly different tune. So maybe it's because I my my engine is maybe a little bit more of a kitten to mm. to. Uh, to uh, ride than uh, than the uh, Gary's bikes are you know, more of a spec. That's what Johnny's running in in the states. Um, that needs needs the power out out there. You need the power for the big ovals. <clears throat> mm. So, uh, how many people are actually involved in this in the background? You know, building the bikes, preparing them, supporting you over the weekends. Um, well, we've got uh, a crew of usually usually have sort of five five people there four or five people um a couple on each on on each bike um between sessions to to do what needs doing and uh we've got uh captain raul um captaining the ship there to look after everything 
uh, yeah, so it's not it's not a massive team, but just enough to <laughs> to keep things keep things rolling. Right, cool. So, twenty twenty two, what lies ahead? Um, seven weekends of racing, I think, is that right this year, including this weekend at the MCN Festival of Motorcycling? Yes, yeah, that's um, and with any luck, some some other European dates. I've been uh, talking about doing some some other uh, races in in Europe, maybe wheels and waves, and currently trying to uh, to uh, talk the management into uh, to doing a race in in Barcelona, which, um, which may may come off, may not, depending on logistics and, and whatnot. But yeah. yeah, first up this weekend, MCN Festival. And can we pull off another one-two again this year? Do you think between you two of you? Well, that's always going to be the aim. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, how can people actually watch it? Because you've said it's a grassroots sport, and uh, you know these tracks are dotted around the UK. Um, is it uh, something you can watch online as well, or do you have to go to the circuit to to actually see the races? Often they are. There is either a live stream or a, or a, or it's being filmed. But I'm actually, to be perfectly honest, not sure this year um, how how many rounds or if the full season is being is being recorded. Uh, there are, um, yeah. If you search DTRA um, National Championship on YouTube, there's often there's quite a lot of videos up there, and um, I assume there'll be there'll be it, um, some rounds, if not all rounds, on, on there this year. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but the best way to experience it is is in person for sure. That's where you kind of get the from the the kind of angle that you can see the track at at kind of ground level um, at various points of the track. You're quite you can get, be quite close to the circuit, you know, with flat track. But like I said, because it's an enclosed track, you can be kind of quite close to the to the outside fence and um, and get a real kind of perspective of the speed and and what the guys are doing on the bikes and. You know, playing with the front and playing with the back and drifting it around the corners. It's kind of you can kind of see the intensity of the racing and how close it is. So I'd say the best the best way for people to come and to see it and and truly understand it is probably to come and watch it in person. So um, yeah, to check the calendar out and um, try and find a track near you, that'd be the best way. I did actually uh, see on the DTRA website that some of the events the spectators get in free, which is yeah, you know for competition today that's pretty much unheard of i would say yeah i think i think most of them are free to spectate because i guess like i say it's a growing sport and they don't want to put any barriers in between you know in between sort of the sport and, and gaining exposure of it so um yeah i'd say mm. probably the majority of them are probably free to spectate yeah i'd, I'd say it's probably one of the most accessible awesome. forms of motor motorcycle racing that that I've been involved in, and that's that's one of the things that draws me to it. You know, it's uh, it's very accessible in terms of getting in. Lots of the tracks are free to get in, and you can just wander around the paddock and get up close with the bikes and you know, talk to the riders. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's there's, there's no barriers, as I said, as as Gary said, there's no barriers to being either involved really or uh, or or just going along to see what it's all about. And, of course, if you want to get involved, uh, check out Dirtcraft and the Royal Enfield Slide School here in the UK or 
the Royal Enfield Slide Schools in India or with motor anatomy in the in the States and uh, give it a go because it sounds like a, a whole heap of fun. So are we going to be seeing you at a slide school soon, Gordon? Ah, I'd love to give it a go, but I'm very much a, I'm an expedition rider. I, I'm a very cautious rider. So, <laughs> But I think, you know, there's skills I could learn from it that would help me in what I, what, the way I like to ride. So, yeah, why not? Why not? Let's give it a go. Everybody, everybody gets into a slide situation at some point in their life. So, uh, yeah, get prepared. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's right. As you said earlier, Paul, you, there's always something to learn. So, yeah, great. Well, that just about brings us to a close. Uh, we obviously wish you both the very best of luck for the uh, the 2022 season, and. Uh, Thank you both very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Well, that just about brings us to a close. We wish you both the best of luck for another Royal Enfield 1-2 this year. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Before we close, however, there's just another time for another Gordon's History Nugget. So here goes. Paul Young's championship win in 2021 was the first time a Works Royal Enfield rider had won a championship on British soil since 1956. That was won by the legendary Johnny Britton. In 56, Johnny was triumphant in the ACU Star, the national year-long trials championship on his 350 bullet HNP331. His tally of wins included the Welsh Trophy, the Scott, Mitchell and Streatham trials, the Allenhurst, Shropshire and Partland Cups, as well as second places in the Scottish Six-Day Trial and two other major events. What an outstanding achievement for Johnny, as it was for Royal Enfield in 2021, with its first and second places in the DTRA Twins Championship. Well, that really is all for now. To ensure you don't miss any future Ride Pure episodes, do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have ideas and suggestions for future episodes, do get in touch by email, ridepurepodcast at royalenfield.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, add us to your favourites, or even leave a review. Until next time, we wish you great roads and safe riding.